hello and welcome to another episode of the Beyond Advertising Podcast, Babs. Uh, I'm Benny Torres, and uh, we're talking about uh, careers and colleges and professionalism and all kinds of things. Uh, basically, it's a podcast where we try to un- talk to professionals about their own professional journey for the benefit of college students of all ages. And today I have with me Howard Lobsher, uh, VP of Strategy from Barclay in Kansas City. Hello. <laughs> that is Howard. Uh, we're also doing something weird where we're recording live in front of a class. Hello, class. A live studio a audience. A live studio audience. Say. Yeah, it's very... This is hardly a studio. <laughs> or it could be. I don't know. Uh, so to kick us off, uh, so students will be uh, will be uh, live asking questions over Google Docs and stuff like that. Uh, but I have a question, which is, yeah. uh, how the heck did you get here? Not here in Florida, but here... At VP of Strategy, what like? Yeah, take us through sort of like uh, the quick journey from college Howard to yeah. now Howard. Well, I liked what you said. This is about in that first year idea. Um, so my first year was a little unique. I don't know how many of you guys out there in the <laughs> internet know about Bunac. It's a it's a blue card, right? So it's a, a six month visa students can get in college. If you're a full-time student, a lot of kids do it between their second and third year or third and fourth year, but the loophole is you can take it up to six months after you had a 12-credit course load. So I did it after I graduated, and that gave me a six-month visa to work in London because I was a bit of an Anglophile at the time. Like, okay. Love the Beatles and all that. I have 90s. an Anglophile. Yeah. You do? Where do you keep it? in my drawer. Oh, there you go. Um, uh, (laughs) Sorry. And then, uh, um, but yeah, so like it was good for six months and I went over there and they had this great office where they help you headhunt and so there's a lot of job postings, mostly for bartending and things like that, but there's a few offices and so uh, I got a freelance gig at a couple of like publications doing layout and design as an advertising major and then... Um, I had a two-week assignment at the FT and the uh, FT financial the times. financial times oh, thank you okay. the pink newspaper yeah like try printing white on that it's actually pretty hard because you can't you got to make pink look white which is kind of a is that what your job was itself. well you'd have to color correct the pictures to make them look that way huh. um, but uh yeah so so I was doing some production and layout and design and page layout there and uh, I remember going to lunch or like a weekend they're like hey look you're working too hard you know, like you're making the rest of us look bad because you bring over this American work ethic where you're like, yeah, I'll do 10 more ads today. Give them to me, you know, and, and they're like used to like cranking them out at the pace that kind of gets them from and a more the start to a more, the, English yeah, pace. more English a more, pace. Let's you, go for two pints at lunch. You know, so, so, so I slowly started becoming adaptive to that and um, uh, had a great time uh, the first year out and they got me another visa. They renewed the visa. They called it a a training visa Uh uh, where it's like they were training me to do a U.S. job in New York. And so they got me another two-year visa. Um, And I stayed till just about the end of that. And I started thinking like, man, pretty soon I'm going to like get a girlfriend and then settle down and never move back. So I was kind of kind of evaluating those options and the time it sort of come and I moved back. Did you you leave? Did you leave like a London like woman? Every every 
Subway stop. No, I don't know. <laughs> okay, so nice. there was it. So you came back. Uh, yeah. You came back to New York. Uh, no, uh, Chicago, which okay. is my home. And then uh, FT got me a job out in, uh, again, going back to the connection. So the FT produces their newspapers through a couple of different production houses. And my boss was like, well, if you want a job in New York, it's not really New York. It's West New York, New Jersey, if you're ever familiar with that, which is like you can see New York from the front of your apartment, but it's across <laughs> the river. So um I worked there for a couple of years doing production in magazines when I sort of realized it's a very horizontal thing in the sense that you do the same thing for 20 years. Um, okay. And so like I wanted to get something with a little bit different of a trajectory and creativity. So um, expanded to uh, got to join some advertising clubs and got a job in the agency side. And then uh, in the agency side, Quick hits yeah. where you okay. These guys, uh, these guys know the spiel. But basically, like media side strategy, moved into content, uh, customized content. So when brands interact with different partners, like magazines and TV shows, and inter in interact with them, and then moved over to digital and social strategy when that was emerging and people didn't know what to do, and you're just kind of like crafting, like, oh, like how do we, how should we use Facebook? Oh wait, there's another channel. How do we use Twitter? And then there's another one. And it's like, how do we use all these things? And that's when you know it starts to explode, and they were looking for thinking on that, and um, that led to the Leo gig where they were looking for brand strategists that had a little bit of better understanding of how to get people to take part in what a brand believes in. So we started a department called participation strategy, where we help uncover those insights and how to get people to take part in a brand and its purpose. So, uh, and then grew that to 17 people before, uh, moving to Kansas city. Cool. Uh, I think I'm going to do like a serious question and like a not serious okay. question. Yeah. Uh, because uh, I see some not serious questions here and I like them. Uh, in a British accent, can you answer the following question? Uh, Cocoa Puffs or Frosted Flakes and why? What the fuck is Cocoa Puffs? No, I don't know. That was a really bad British accent. I, are you British? I don't know. No, anyway. oh, I'm not British. I can't so, do it. So Cocoa Puffs? Uh, no, Frosted Flakes. Frosted Flakes and why? Frosted Flakes, uh, childhood memories. Uh, and Leo Burnett worked on it. That's true. Good, good thing. <laughs> Uh, in Spanish, called Zucaritas. Zucar, you want me to say that? Sure. No. In an English accent. Nope. Okay. Two out of ten? I can do better than that. But you know what I always wonder? I always wonder how British bands always sing with an American accent. Ooh, huh? interesting. Think about that one. Uh, Howard saying the live question, and someone gave him a two out of ten British accent. Uh, okay, so my question is, you, you took us through your career. Uh, I'm fascinated by this choice. Uh, you left college with an international... Visa is that what I'm getting that correct? Well, it was a temporary a temporary visa. visa. Uh, what can you give me like your like last semester mindset? Like, cause that's pretty that's a bold move. I feel like to, yeah. to say screw it, I'm going to London. Uh, how did like can you think back to college Howard and sort of why he made that decision and would he make it again? Yeah, um, yeah, it was just an adventure mindset. You know, like I think I, I mean I think I dated a girl through most of my college. Uh, career and then like my last semester I, we didn't and I was like oh this is fun I can go anywhere in the world the few, the world is my oyster so um choose to kind of just take the biggest step and uh that That's blue cool. this is the first time I've heard of that blue card thing is it still a thing should like I don't know you don't Google know it. okay uh we'll figure that out uh Bunak USA 
or checking out volunteering and working abroad experts in the USA. It's still a website. Okay. Well, that's but the internet does not forget. So maybe I don't know. Oh, it's, it looks there. Yeah, it Look looks it. yeah. Destination okay. interest. There you go. Look at Bunak. Find my adventure. Learn something new every day. Uh, so uh, let's go. Let's go. Let's go back to some. Uh, what I gave you a serious question about where you were at college-wise. Uh, would you rather fight... This is another fake question. You don't have to answer it in a British accent. Would you rather fight a one duck-sized... Wait, sorry. Would you rather fight one horse-sized duck or a hundred duck-sized horses? I'm not really a fighter, like, in that sense. I, that, can, so you, we, you, can we keep them alive? You would want to keep all of them alive? Yeah, I mean, they would be on the endangered species if either of those things exist. <laughs> so your answer would be cons- conservation. You would conserve yeah. these. You would not fight them. Yeah. Okay. Fair. You're you're uh, I, I'm into it. Uh, Who comes up with these? Is that a common question people a, ask people? I've heard it's it's a okay. it's a trope. It's like okay. a, a trope. It's a trope. Uh, so here's uh, the next question. That's a little bit more serious. Uh, what path? I, by the way, I don't know if I believe in those types of questions. Like, does that mean it says something about me? Like, I'm really into conservation? Because I'm not. I think it means I waste shit. Like recycling. Like I kind of try, but then it sometimes goes by the wayside. Conserving water. I left the faucet on all day once. Didn't even realize it. Uh, I mean, that was a lot of water, though. <laughs> it just means you're a pacifist. It means that you're not, like, you know. Yeah. It, in, in the Hunger Games, I'm coming for you first. Oh. That's what that well, means. Well, that's a competition. That starts to be different. You versus me, <laughs> that's different. Uh, off of this London thing, uh, most influential sort of travel experience out there. Make the, make the pitch for traveling instead of working. To the college student. Oh, well, it, it was working. Um, you can do, like, gap year stuff and figure that out. And so, like, hopefully you can find something. I think, um, you know, uh, one of the, a, a colleague we know talks about find the job you hate the least. And, and early on in your career, it, it's very forgiving. There's, you know, you could be, uh, oh, I took a year off to be an acrobat. And then, like, next year being find a connection that gets you into the job you want, you know? Um so I don't know. Do that stuff while you're young, right? Okay. Uh, kind of go. We're going all around based on the questions we got here. Uh, how do you find it difficult to recruit people to Kansas City? Yeah. And what's your pitch to people? What's your pitch to sort of listeners and the room about Kansas City? Um, well, first of all, I want to know how I did yesterday when I pitched it. Can I get a thumbs up to those that heard it? Okay, cool. All right, I'm seeing thumbs up in the classroom. So uh, I'll go ahead and, uh, yeah, it can be difficult to pitch to Kansas City. There's a J school nearby, Mizzou, that we recruit heavily from. So uh, being in the area and pulling from the Midwest is great. Um, so there's a spiel for the Midwestern folks, but then there's a spiel, like this is the first time kind of going outside and, and talking to Kansas City about that. And I, and I think the major spiel is like, mid-market towns and doesn't have to be Kansas City but these are places where they can build infrastructures made for a modern city so Kansas City is well documented as a smart city and highly technologically advanced Um, and I think cities of that size can more easily do that than like a Chicago that's struggling to like get kids in school and things like that so one, the advancement, and two, like, uh, it used to be we didn't know about things, but now with the internet, we find out about everything all at the same time. So the guy who opens up a barbecue joint doesn't have to be inspired by the barbecue joint down the street. He can be inspired by one in Philadelphia or, heck, one in um New York, you know, and I think vice versa. Uh, New York people are inspired by things happening in Kansas City. So uh, I, th- I think that's 
my major pull. The the last piece would be you keep hearing people that move there never leave. So that there's so, something going on. It's not a stopover town, you know. Just because I'm greedy and I have to ask for personal reasons. Weather. What's the weather like now? What's the winter oh, like? Yeah, in Florida. I mean, we don't know, do well I mean, with winter. It's obviously not palm trees and sand. Although, do they call it sand because it sits in between the sea and the land? I'm just curious. Like, is that why? Boo. Oh, that's a deep thought. Anyway, <laughs> uh, no, uh, the the uh, the weather is about 10 to 15 degrees warmer than Chicago. I think we got two inches of snow this year for one day. So I like that you get to experience the seasons. The, the other big difference over the other four season towns is like, when spring comes to live, it's really colorful, more so than up north. And, okay. and then I think same with the winter, like a much more variety of things. So you, you really get the four seasons without having to... I'm not sure I ever wore a winter jacket that I wore in Chicago because A, I drive more than I walk, okay. you know, and then B, like it doesn't get that cool. Is it a driving city, not a sort of walking or biking city? Uh, for the youth, it's definitely a walk. It can be a walking city because they have the train car that connects like the four major places that you would spend 90% of your time. Okay. And you could live there. Cool. Yeah. Making the pitch for Kansas City. Uh, Non-serious question or semi-serious. Uh, what would I, what, what do I want here? Uh, people are enjoying your tattoos. <laughs> uh, let's Thanks. Not, uh, if uh, if you don't want to share specific stories about them, you want to talk about just like tattoos and ad agencies? Oh, no. Um, no, I, I get, yeah, so I was interviewing for an ad agency and they said like, uh, do you have any tattoos? So I, I had to roll up my sleeves and show, that didn't happen. That, that was a lie. You don't have to have tattoos to work at an ad agency. Um, but I did get my tattoos later in life. Uh, one's because of my wife, I proposed an apple orchard. So we got, there's an apple tree. Um, I got a, a big fern leaf. I got, I got a lot of leaves. You know, I don't know. I like I like leaves, and so one of them's from in front of my house, and one of them's ferns. I went to a, you know, an exhibit, and they talked about the extinction periods, and ferns were always something that helped first establish life at each new generation. So um, that parlayed with some heart things that I had going on. I thought it relevant. So okay. Um... Ooh, interesting. Uh, and this actually, there's two questions here that I think are kind of interesting. Uh, I'll start with the first one and then get into the slightly more specific one, which is uh, when, what do you do when you know that your idea is right, but the client just refuses to sort of accept that? So like, what do you, wh how do you balance that when you know that your strategy or you know that sort of like what you're saying is right for the client, but the client is either reticent or resistant or just flat out says, this is the wrong move. What's your next step? What's your next sort of <laughs> Well, uh, the first thing and probably the biggest piece of advice is to listen. Because I think once you start getting rejection, I think as a creative community or even as a professional community and, or as a community that thinks we're right all the time, you yeah. know, like our first response is to be like, they don't know. They don't um, get it. They don't get it. Um, but, you, but you do have to listen uh, really intently and understand it not the words that they're using, but what is it that they're trying to communicate, you know, and, and oftentimes they're not saying what it is that they're trying to communicate. So you need to understand that first. And like, I think the words behind the words. Yeah. And, and, and dig deep, like don't just shut off, try to ask some questions and try to get a really good understanding of what it is. And then oftentimes, even in that discussion, we realized there was one time where it was, there was such a feeling that they didn't like about the concept. 
And then as we broke it down, we thought it was a disastrous meeting. We started being like, okay, so look at this. Do any of the words speak to you? Or like, let's talk about different components. We broke down that it was just this color red. There was too much red in huh. it, you know, um, yeah. for a brand that leans on green. And so all of a sudden, then we take the red out and it's like, oh yeah, this has a much better vibe. I think it goes to show like any concepts that we pitch or things that we pitch, you're really pitching a feeling like, the client has only a moment to literally understand and it's hard to articulate sometimes. And so they're just taking in these words and they're like, their synapses are going off and they're figuring out how they want to judge the work. Ooh, I dig that. I mean, it's to, there's totally like a weird alchemy to ideas that like really, I, I've experienced that yeah. too, where like changing the color red just changes the whole thing. Uh, a semi-related question that someone asked uh, is when you're a junior, uh, when you're a junior creative, a junior strategist, how do you find the balance, or in your experience as someone who's a little more senior, what's the right balance for a junior creative or strategist to play in terms of like uh, uh, being uh, a spokesperson for their ideas versus sort of like listening and falling in line. So like what's the balance that you want in a junior employee of sort of that renegade sort of hear my ideas and take them or leave them and that more like humble learning, you know, aspect to it, yeah. avoiding stepping on toes. I think there's two approaches. So two things, one rigor. So like think through the thing. So again, you're not going, oh, you're like, oh, you've really thought through and taken a fresh look at it. You've thought strategically why it's right. You've, you've thought to yourself, why would someone think this is wrong? And if they say that thing, here's how I could say it. And maybe even practice it, because that leads to the second thing is tone. Like, how do you start to like fight for your own idea that doesn't um, turn off the people that you're fighting with? I think that's a definite skill in the sense of inter interpersonal and probably a big reason why you're here is like, just figuring out how to deal with different personality types and what's the right way to manage that. It's not about politics, but it's about talking to the right people in the right way in the right format that they yeah. want to hear it in. And that's, that's a special skill. You do that and you'll like, that's when you start changing minds and opinions. If you know, like not just why it's right, but how to tell them and talk to them about it in their way, not your way. I'm, I'm a big, like my way, like approach in that, that, that dies because no one's can no one can understand my convoluted thoughts sometimes and you know like i need to break it down in their way not my way huh i like that break it down in their way i feel like there's a missy elliott song in there maybe sorry uh say that uh, in a british accent so i don't i want to do like charlie bit my finger oh i feel like there's a missy elliott idea okay, in that's, that that's right yeah, i see maybe, I, I, like i've been uh <laughs> um so fun questions or fun-ish questions. I'm gonna do coffee or tea, but I'm also gonna do uh, what booze do you prefer to do? Beer, liquor, uh, wine, spirits. Yeah. So coffee or tea? I became a tea fan in England, but I married a coffee fan, so I, I'm a coffee fan. Okay, so like what kind of coffee? Dark, light, like uh, yeah, earthy? light, lighter, like lighter, drinkable. Like sometimes I put a lot of soy milk in it, like just to make it so I can pound Does it right away. Soy milk curdle it? Like doesn't it no, get curdly? Not the fake soy milk. That's okay. the organic stuff. Okay. I'm sure mine's more fake. Uh, and then uh, beer. Favorite beer. Favorite beer. Uh, 
I like like supporting local. Uh, so like when I was in Chicago, it was the brewery down the street, Revolution. They make very so good beers, right? Uh, Revolution Brewery, by the way, their like taps are all fists, and so when you're sitting in front of like a whole, a whole bunch of fists, yeah. it's my a little aggressive. Said, yeah, my brother-in-law <laughs> said, "What do you take me to a sex toy joint?" Um, but. There was not. But then it, was it was not a sex toy joint. It was a bar. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. In Kansas City, though, they got Boulevard Brewing, which does a great job. They got you know Tank Seven, and they've always had a good reputation around the country. And uh, they made their first pale ale like in 1989. So like they've been doing. Craft that is beer for older a long than time. most people in this room. Yeah. So they've been doing craft beer for a long time. Uh, I'm gonna do another fun question because I just wanna. I, I like it. Top yeah. three. Top three hip hop albums. Go. Ever? Ever. Oh. oh. Well, I'm like, at this moment in my life, um, obviously Chansey's on the front of my uh, Chance. computer. I've seen him two times, about to see him a third time. Uh, That's Chance the Rapper for these, does. those who uh, don't know. Um, and then I'm, I'm probably going to go old school, like Outkast. Like I always loved whenever they came out with a new album. It was all very different. Which Outkast album? Uh, Stankonia. Stankonia. Yeah. I'm much more a Love Below slash oh, yeah. Speaker Box, but yeah. both as a, as a, as singular, a singular work. Thing. That's great. Um, who, oh. Third. I don't know. There's so many fighting. that I can see them fighting all those horse-sized ducks for third. Place. <laughs> um, uh, um, Run the Jewels right now is also really big. Like I love, I love when hip hop reinvents itself. Like it kind of goes through new genres. What's your take on Blonde, Frank Ocean? Oh, it's great. Yeah, are you into it? I, I'm, we're seeing some live feedback. Uh, what? No mention of Illmatic <laughs> or Stillmatic by Nas. What about Drake, a white girl? Uh, what about Drake? Ah, uh, I yeah. mean, he started off so emo. I like yeah, him right? now. Like. I, I don't like people that are sad when they, like, they get to do things they love. So when people talk about, like, their, like, life's so hard, it's like, you're making music that, like, you get to do that for a living. What's so hard about your life? Ooh. Ouch. You don't know my life. Yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah, you don't know my life. Uh, okay. A, a much more basic question, and I'm going to ask it exactly how it's written here, which is, what the hell is strategy What's your day-to-day? So I feel like there's an even there, like what the hell is even strategy and what's your day-to-day? And I will say that Howard's been answering this question, I think kind of all, you know, the last couple days he's been here uh, at UF teaching, but let's talk about it. What the hell is strategy? And then what's your day-to-day? If there's one thing that everyone has an opinion of that is a strategist is what is strategy and none of them are probably the same. So I apologize to you guys. You're like, I just want a straight answer. Um, because I think the first thing is having a true POV and an opinion on things. Um, and so as a strategist, you kind of have to craft how that is. Like, how do we learn about the consumer? How do we have an opinion about where the brand needs to go? And how do you set that as a vision? That's a little bit of a ramble. If I had to boil it down to like, one or two words it's talk it's about making choices so too often like i think brands like can say the thing that they want to be and it's all inclusive it's like no help us understand what that is so make a choice on it um brands do these we are and we are not statements when they describe what a brand is and they're so bad so many times because it's always like we are friendly we're not mean 
We're liked by everyone. Like, no shit. Who, who wants to be the other right. side of that equation? We are you know, innovative. Like, we are synergy. We're innovative. Yeah, we, we build on things. Don't tear them down. Um, so like, <laughs> Although I want the company that says, we tear things down. I know. You, you should. You should actually look at all your we are nots and try to find like, okay, where can I go to work that does this? Because that's going to be some awesome work. <laughs> Um, so what's the strategist day to day like? What's your day to day like? Uh, heck, the yeah. last couple of days you've been working remotely, yeah. but what's um, your day to day like? So we got a couple of things going on. So one, we're trying to understand like uh, if perception is a big deal, right? Because like a lot of times brands are commodities, or they're in a category where really, what are the differences? There's no unfair advantages, as we call them. So it's trying to understand like how people feel about brands. So we do surveys, or we do like working on getting focus groups or how do we articulate that. Um, another thing is uh, doing, we're, I briefed on a couple of projects last week and so we're seeing the output of those projects and starting to see like, does it fit the brief? Is it the right brief? Um, how do we set up those ideas now that we have them to like best succeed? Okay. And uh, you know, strategizing about the meeting itself and like what's the best way to have the best possible meeting with the client? And how do we make it bulletproof, you know? Yeah, it's one of those, the, that meeting theater, like the meeting politics is something that I think, heck, this class in here has learned by uh, scorched earth to realize that like it matters and it's something that, that we don't even like really, how do you teach that in a, in a college environment? It's kind of like meeting improv and meeting skills and all those kind of things are really big. Yeah, mm -hmm. And the strategist is largely the one who's maybe, yeah. hopefully the ringleader of that. Well, there's, I mean, it's going back to the, the client's just taking in a feeling. It's like, it can be something simple as what's the first thing you show versus the second thing and thinking through all those things because if they're turned off with the first idea, the first slide, or you don't set up the strategy the right way, or that's a lot of what strategy does in these creative outputs is get the client in the right headspace. What are the things we agreed to? What are the things we didn't agree to? Reminding them of all that. Because remember, uh, creative is their favorite hour of the day because then they go back to the Excel charts and the product distributions and, and is pricing going up and down, their franchisees, the stock price. And so they actually get to see cool stuff, um, so they're excited about it, but you got to remind them while you're spending your whole time in it, they're spending 10% of their time in it. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Uh, here's a, a, a potentially emo question, so I'm going to ask it in like an emo voice. I'm imagining that's like, a, it's like, how did you handle... Applying for jobs after college, was it discouraging applying to so many places and not hearing back? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> fuck them, you know? <laughs> <laughs> really? Like, uh, I actually applied to Leo Burdett. Oh, my God. I put in a stupid-ass cover letter. Like, I I was really big on the word mint at the time. I think like I had mint? a like, mint? Like yeah. the thing that you eat? It has got three levels of meaning, guys. So the <laughs> okay. first level, think of mints, right? Fresh. What do you want an employee? Fresh. Think of mint as baseball cards, mint condition, brand new, right? Also that. Think of think of money, mint, the mint. It's money. Like I love this term mint. So like I had a website in early in early days <laughs> around mint and uh, a, a little branding thing about mint. And I just thought like I would send some sort of designed element about mint and was it mint smelling? It. Was it the smell of mint? I stopped short of that. But it, I think it did look like a Tic Tac container. And, <gasps> And uh, I never, I never heard back. But I ended up working at Leo at one point, so Did I, I wanted to bring it in on my first day. Be like, how about them apples? To uh, the HR lady, whoever fired me. Then. 
That's from an also movie, Goodwill Hunting. Matt Damon. Quote. I'm. I'm just. I, I met know him. You probably don't know it. Were you there when he was there at Leo? No. So at Leo Burnett, he visited. I met um, uh, Robin Williams when he was there. Well, that's what I meant. Didn't you? Goodwill Hunting. Oh, is Robin Williams. Well, I, I said Matt Damon. Oh, and you were sorry. Like, okay. I met him when you were there. Yeah. So yeah. you met Robin when yeah. he was at. Yeah. I just like dr- uh, name Kevin Lilly like had that. him sign. We went record shopping that day, and Kevin Lilly had him sign his record. I think it was for um, who's the Iceland band. Uh, Iceland like the only band? big ass Iceland band. Bjork. Anyone? What? Bjork? No, that's close. Oh, uh, <laughs> they make like weird music. Rocks up? No. Close. Ah, uh, we'll come back to it. If okay. I if I stop thinking about it, I'll if think by about the it. end of this podcast we can figure right. out what that Swedish band is, one know. non-existent dollar forever comes up with it. It might not even be Iceland. I'm probably wrong, but they're kind of... Sigur Ross. Yeah. Sigur Ross. Robin Williams signed Sigur Ross, and the podcast is like, people are like... We're I, complete. People just fast-forwarded 30 seconds to get over... Uh, I, to, I thanked him for Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh, and also, nice. someone's camera wasn't working, and he made a it's-not-your-fault joke, and it's the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. Oh, uh, nice. Anyway, uh, question. Rest in peace. No. Uh, rest in peace. Uh, so... Uh, my thing is the demoralizing thing, right? Like, did, were you ever demoralized in college? Like, did you ever have that sort of weird, like, I'm so bad, nobody's responding to me, everybody hates me sort of sensibility? Because I, I confront that a lot, I think, in some of the college students, and so I'm wondering, if you were in that headspace, how would you challenge that, or what advice would you give to someone who's feeling a little bit demoralized about their job search? Uh, I deal with that every day, I'm demoralized. No, <laughs> <laughs> no I mean... Maybe that's why I don't like emo music. Uh, so I, I think, yeah, I think, I mean, it's it's the grind that gets you there, you know? Like, I mean, look, you're going to go into a work, like, it goes beyond a four-year thing, right? You're going to go in, you're going to just, like, work for a long time. That should be more depressing that you're going to go into a place and you're going to have to work to make money for the next 40 years. Yeah, so that's, uh, I don't know. We're, 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 this is a real did light conversation. You did, you did. It's a light conversation here. Uh, let's go with the darker question. of Here's my, here's, and I like, I'm going to ask this in the voice that I imagined okay. it. I don't know who actually wrote this question, but I'm going to ask it. Does advertising ever feel, like, super fake and made up? Uh, yesterday it did uh, with the Pepsi ad, right? Like, uh, there, there's times when it can be. Um, We're referencing, by think, the way, the Kendall Jenner Pepsi ad that recently got raised because I don't know when people are going to listen to this. Oh, right, sure. Uh, but it, uh, I think it's, it's probably more authentic than ever now, right? Like, all the fake stuff gets put on some TV channel that no one really sees and, like, all the stuff that brands see or that brands do that actually get attention are probably a little bit more authentic authentic than than don't you know i mean you said my favorite thing earlier today we were in a room and we we're kind of stressing a little bit about the schedule today or something like that and I, I always say this regularly and i'm glad that you say it too which is like it's just advertising nobody's gonna die like it's not that yeah. serious and just that like gut check i think that like yeah it is kind of fake but it also runs the world so like mm-hmm. what are you gonna do with that that's a weird right. strange yeah. you know beautiful thing about advertising um you know, like, look at ads from the 80s, you know, and compare them to today, at least, like, man, there's got to be one ad that at least inspired you to be here, so that's kind of cool. Otherwise, huh. you wouldn't have done it. That's a good point. Uh, what, what ad inspires you? Oh, um, man. Uh, I love the beats work every time they nail it, you know? Like, they talk about uh, hear music the way it should be is kind of the product 
message I think that they want to convey, but like every campaign they come out with is all about that from a personal standpoint. You know, uh, hear what you want, game before the game, uh, hear me roar, or whatever the one after that was. Like they come up with the right language that continues to ladder up to what they want to stand for, and they just idea after idea after idea against that. Have they stayed consistent for you after Apple? Beats? Uh, I, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, some game before, game before the game was after they were bought. Yeah. So hear me roar. I think later. it's been a couple of years. Yeah, for sure. Um, so back to the Pepsi example. So uh, I'm going to read it just directly. What is your take on the Pepsi situation? How would Barkley respond if this happened to them? Which is Pepsi saying we clearly missed a mark, uh, and uh, everyone else going, yes, you literally did miss the mark. So what if you were uh, Pepsi right now, or if you were counseling Pepsi? What would you? What's your take on it? What would you do from an agency perspective? Because it's, it's different versus like, what do you think? It's more like, yeah. if you were on that account, what would you be? What, what What do you think the solution is here, or is there even a solution? I mean, this is a PR disaster that, that that's probably more right for someone in PR to handle. But I I would say two things. One, we wouldn't miss the mark because we're an agency. I think that was done by an internal agency. Yeah. So they were very much drinking the Kool Aid. Like I think the, out, one of the. What? Drinking the Pepsi. Dr- oh, drinking the Pepsi. Right. Oh, 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 yes. <laughs> Should we repeat that? If you didn't hear it, rewind 30 seconds and listen to it again. Um, no, but like the whole idea is like one of the greatest strengths that an agency can bring a client and why they look for outside help is because they're looking for outside help. So you have to be that outside help that speaks for culture on behalf of culture. Uh, into it. Uh, three things you do in the morning. Three things you do in the morning, what time do you wake up, how many times do you press news? I don't set an alarm because I have kids, they wake me up. But when I lived in New York, I didn't have to set an alarm because they were demoing the building and I don't know how much you know about Manhattan, but it's very bedrock. That's why they can build all these tall buildings because the ground is really fucking hard. So like to build a building, they have to blow up down into the ground and it takes a lot of dynamite to even go a little bit. Um, so I would wake up to the machines that were getting ready to blow things up because they can start at 7 a.m. So about 6.50, it would go, hmm, and I would hear it 22 floors up. And I'd be oh, like, man. oh, okay. And it's like the worst noise. You know, there's that constant noise that you can't hit snooze on. And so you're like, all right, I got to get up. Um, what's that? That's, that's oh, three things. Um, I mean, I do all the, you know, cleaning normal, every normal day. Normal body things. things. Um, yeah, I think... Uh, I try to like quick catch up on the, the trades in the morning, get a good glimpse of what's going on. So if, if someone were to mention something, you can at least, oh yeah, I saw that. Fun fact, in gay culture, trade means unattractive person to drag queens. Oh. When, if they say that you're trade, that's a compliment and it means that, Don't wait. Explain our <laughs> Inside the gay studio. Inside the gay studio. Uh, what rejections, what rejections and or mistakes have shaped your career? Um, oh, um, so at the FT I did typesetting and page layout and design and sometimes you would have to like, I don't know, this is what they want. I was like, can't they send a word file? Like, no, they just, it's like a JPEG. Like, so they scanned it in and sent it over. I'm like, I'd like those words so that we don't have to type them because it wasn't like ready for print. And so I, we, we'd have to like, cause it goes out that day and you're running against deadline cause the newspaper goes out every day. So I'd quick type it all up. And one time I had to type up this 
big French ad that was like all words. I didn't know what it was saying because it was the Financial Times. They were talking to people that weren't me. And um, they're supposed to get approval from the client to make sure, hey, look at this, proofread this. It's supposed to go through proofreading. Uh, it was so against deadline that I didn't. And like 60 spelling errors went in the Financial Times. In <laughs> French. Like, in French. You know, it was like... <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it was everything was red line, but like it's French. I don't know. They they don't they, you know it doesn't catch those words. So um, the whole department kind of got a talking to, and like everyone knew it was me. And I was like, <laughs> all right, gotta see your own projects a little bit more thorough, and don't rely on like everybody else kind of carrying the torch sometimes. Uh, a related question, and I think you might have mentioned this yesterday, but if you would please maybe repeat it. Uh, what is the mistake that you've made in your career that you kept on making? <laughs> Uh, that had like the longest learning curve to figure out, oh, I should stop making this mistake. Um, clarity, you know, I think sometimes you see things in your head like when you like want to think about like what's the most concise way and clear, clear thing to say that really helps inspire th feedback and thought. Um, so being really clear about intentions and intent on projects okay. and your role in it. Um, yeah, I mean, that intention bit, it gets away from, it clears out a lot of politics. It clears out a lot of, like, weird, I, I was surprised that corporate culture was so passive-aggressive and so, like, what's the subtext behind the subtext behind yeah. the subtext? And I think being intentional and have, like, knowing, having clarity in your own intent, like, what's the intent of this email? What's my intent being here? Like, just asking yeah, yourself in constantly. conversations and in reviews. Yeah. But even in, like, you work in a very collaborative environment, so you have to be able to, like, figure out how that group works together and so intent is really important in that because you could come to the meeting and be like oh yeah I know what I'm doing but maybe you don't and all that kind of stuff uh, I love this date because uh, we will probably be in nursing homes but they will probably be like upper management at this point what do you think advertising looks like in 2050 uh, I think it's going there oh my gosh it'll be run by robots I don't know um, no, uh, 2015, that's a long, 50, 50, five zero. 50, yeah. five zero. 2015 already. <laughs> I know. I can tell you what it was like then. <laughs> Crazy time. Um, I think it'll be like, uh, and, and there's a lot of talk of this, like going to like where distribution is power, you know, like, so distribution outlets are so dispersing, like, you know, um, YouTubers have followings and just like finding attention. Um, one of the things I always say that's kind of like, obtuse or too philosophical um is like we're in a content rich world but like living among like attention deficit economy so it's like oh. how do you find the distribution where the attention is um there's a couple of people that talk a lot about that and i think that's right on point is like find where people are and the ability to navigate that and and, and not just eyeballs because they might not be eyeballs they might be robots clicking or whatever or huh. nielsen ratings and everything is like so murky it's like how do you know where people are actually looking and paying attention and wanting to spend time with? That's my number one rabbit hole tip, by the way, if you want to get frustrated with the ad industry or sort of see how like, not fake or real, but like dig into like Nielsen and like figure out the rigor behind that. And you yeah. start realizing pretty quickly that the emperor has no clothes, but nobody likes to talk about it. So yeah. whatever. Well, they've gotten <laughs> better. But when we got started, it was like there was 8,000 people meters and like some guy like used to always have country music television on and he died or something and like and the ratings went down and they're like, well, we got to fix this like across the board. They're like, what's going on? Well, 
she just kept on CMT all day. So like he was constantly <laughs> raising the bar so for them. CMT got this the lift effect by Bob or whatever his yeah. name is. Uh, so someone mentioned Kansas City. Uh, I'm going to put this in two questions. Uh, if you think to the decision to move to Kansas City, so this is less about like how Kansas City is, but like as you were thinking about moving to Kansas City, how did you come to that decision? And then the second question, which is a lot easier, is how fast and awesome is Google Fiber? Um, well, uh, okay, so first question. Uh, we, we were looking at all like, like different mid-market towns that had a number of agencies or creativity happening in them, a place where you wouldn't give up on culture. So Can you quick list some of those? Just because I, yeah. I don't think so. Well I interviewed, uh, you know, uh, Seattle, uh, Boulder, and Austin, and Kansas City uh, at the time. So those those were where I was looking because there was a number of agencies in each, and they all had a sense of culture and a sense of self. And uh, yeah, and. Barkley had the best opportunity, and we knew some people. We knew a couple people there. Mm -hmm. um, and Google Fiber, I hear is great. I'm still waiting. So like, how dare they? I know, I know. Um, I'm on the, I'm on the, I'm on the side, the Kansas side. So like, all the people in the city got it very first, and like it's fast and free. I think or subsidized what? or something. Yeah. So a lot of buildings they get it for free, and it is insanely fast. It takes a couple minutes to download one movie. <sighs> I feel I'm already feeling like I'm living in the past. Uh, ooh, something that I talk about a lot. Uh, podcast people might not realize this, but I love improv, and so I integrate improv into the class at the upfront. <clears throat> Someone's asking, uh, how often do you use yes and in agency world, or even just like those improv yeah. skills? And so I guess start there, and then maybe the larger question is, what not? What are the skills that sort of you wouldn't expect to help you in advertising, like improv, that like help you? Uh, so the first question is yes and yes and we do do that okay uh, for sure it's usually a, a course or everywhere I've been they've kind of taught it at some point I mean Chicago is great because they had second city and they have a lot of classes that come into organizations to teach it um, but that we've taught it at Berkeley uh, what else what was the second part sorry man no no I'm asking two-part questions it's a bad thing but I'm, I'm learning from the yeah White House uh, <laughs> Uh, what other like what things what skills have surprised you that have been useful in advertising so for example I wouldn't have expected that improv would be so vital to sort of creative thinking are there any other sort of things that like are outside of advertising that have really helped you that you're surprised that they helped you in your advertising career um, surprised that they helped me I, I don't know like yeah uh, skill sets the problem solving like a little bit of, I think I love those word puzzle games when you're like, Charlie likes Sam, but Sam doesn't like Charlie, and then it'll do the, you know, what is it, creative problem solving? They're like little word games. They probably don't exist anymore. Like SAT like, problems? Like you cross them out and you figure out who did what and who's friends with who and what bike do they ride and where do they like. Eat. Oh, okay. I don't know. And I feel like that idea of developing, like, how do you distill down complexity in a way that's like, there's a lot going on here, but it can be solved is is a major strategist thing. Like you take a whole bunch of information that you're like, man, this client's telling me that they want to be this way and this one's telling me this thing and this one's telling me this thing. So you take all these inputs in and you figure out a way to make it work that satisfy everyone's needs or at least address them in a way that you can start to help them make decisions on that. Um, so I always thought that the like, I was really a nerd about those problem solving things and I 
kind of sometimes think about it when I'm dealing with a lot of that stuff. So if you want to be a planner or strategist, play a lot of Clue, you're in. Yeah, something like that. Maybe, if, yeah. maybe that's how you interview Strategy now, games, just yeah. Clue. Just like, let's go. Or Wait, what's... You win, you get a job. <laughs> uh, Mastermind. Last uh, question, because I know we're running out of time here, uh, is about something that I think college students and advertising and professors and all kinds of people deal with, which is stress. Uh, and so I'm wondering, one, do you remember college being particularly stressful and how'd you handle that? Uh -huh. uh, and then the second is just how do you, you know, how stressful actually is the advertising industry and how do you handle that? Yeah, um, I procrastinated a lot in college and would like pull the all-nighters, I think. A little bit of stress is kind of good because it like almost like puts you in the zone of something, you know, like I think it depends on... How, what level of stress do you need to hit that point that like sets you off, right? And I think that puts you in that zone. And for some people, it's, they need a low stress to do it. And for some people, it's high stress. For me, it was like you get closer to the thing and then you go. And I think that's great because uh, at work, you know, advertising is known to be a high stress thing because things come down the last minute. And the folks that don't get like, ah, oh, there's too much and go, okay, first things first, this, that, then this, you know, like... I think that's really beneficial, but how you deal with it at work is like, going. I run, you know, like day one, you kind of handle the mode when you get there and then you come home exhausted and like day two, you're like, okay, you know, it's going to be a crazy day. Like you just get out and you're like, got to do something to clear your mind before all that craziness starts. Okay. Uh, final, final question. What advice would Howard give to college Howard? So you're Howard now. You're, yeah. you're somehow time traveling back to college. What advice would you give to the college version of yourself that college folks might be able to use? Um, yeah, cool. Great question. I think about this a lot. Like, uh, don't rely on your education to get you there because it's not. You know, like, it's all the other things you do while you're here that probably set you on a path for what you're going to do. So, like, you got this great opportunity of all this networking connections to do things and create things and... Uh, do extra all this extra time when someone's not making you like work 12 hours a day or whatever it's like you get the perfect creative outlet so like take advantage of where you are and the point in your life versus like your curriculum i mean still do good in school and that's important but like try to like just make that a thing you have to do love that Thank you so much, Howard. All right, Howard it's been great. I don't know what's my rating. Uh, is someone gonna grade me on this uh, paper thing? Uh, I, I think you. It oh, says I two, see, two, 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 two. Two out of ten. Okay. It also says school is for chumps, and yeah. I also see here that Rizzo has VD. Okay, that's a Greece reference, right? Is that right? Yeah, Did I, I get know. that right? I don't know. Sure. This has been Babs. <laughs> Goodbye forever. See you next time. Thanks for listening. I hope you did. Thanks. Bye. Bye.